You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. You can pair up if you like and you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he No! Hello and welcome back to Series 4 of Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I am Chris Skoll, joining me Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the Illy Dumitrescu of Niche Football Broadcasting, it's Michael Marden. Hello. Welcome back. Delighted to be back, very excited for Series 4. We've got some big names this series. We've definitely got our strongest lineup, haven't we? Yeah. Just whether it melds into a good team. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a lot of money in the summer. <laughs> um... Thank you for listening to all the uh, the World Cup specials and the pre-season specials. Um, but we are back properly now with guests and etc. Traditional <laughs> formats that you know and love. Now, before we start, we have two live dates at the Hackney Empire uh, next Wednesday and Thursday. That is the 7th and 8th of November. There's a few tickets left for both. The 8th, literally only in the gods. The 7th, there is a ticket one level below that as well. But we can excitedly announce who the guest is for November the 8th. The guest for November the 8th. Wait, can I just, just, just to tease the listeners, yep. I was texting this gentleman, like, see if yep. they can figure it out. I was texting him. Uh, he replied, said, yes, I'd be absolutely, love to, love to. Uh, I tried calling him. He didn't immediately pick up. Then he, he did eventually call back and he said, I'm on a cruise. Uh, <laughs> I'll speak, I'm up for it. I'll speak to you in a couple of days. Um, and he did, and we are now confirmed... You may have guessed it. Well, here's a clue. Great going forward. Pops it at the back, mate. They can't keep a good man down. I can exclusively reveal that our guest on Thursday the 8th of November will be Quickly Kevin Legend. Barry Fry. Barry Fry. This is, I, I can't believe this is happening. I can't wait to re-watch the Peterborough documentary and choose the clips that we're going to play him and ask, what the fuck is going on there, mate? <laughs> Why have you got a picture of yourself eating a sandwich in your kitchen? Yeah. And the other thing... What gonna... is that big tin of baked beans? Did you get it from Peterborough? <laughs> or do you have a cash and carry loyalty card? Uh, Opening question. If you want tickets to that, why wouldn't you? And uh, I think it's going to be great to put to him the correspondence like that time he was at a service station and some, some blokes had just been in a car crash. <laughs> How are you, lads? Oh, I've just been in a car crash. Just Sounds great, clear, terrific. Normally with a footballer, we do a kind of slow plot through their career. I imagine 80% of the interview is us asking him to explain correspondence and clips that we've got for him. Yeah, it's going to be a bit more like a police interview. <laughs> right, Michael, earlier this summer, all three of us pitched our players for a favourite 90s 11. Obviously, not the best. Zidane hasn't made the cut. Thank God. But a lot of dross has. And we put it to social media, and you guys have voted, and Michael can now reveal who is in our dream all-time eleven. As I don't know this, so I'm quite excited. I, I can't even remember really what remember we said. <laughs> so yeah, we put our choices out to social media. You guys have voted, and this. Michael, is... before you announce team, are you happy with the results? I mean, I'm happy. A few of mine made it in there. I'm pretty sure we're getting relegated with this team. <laughs> okay, what are we playing? What formation? 4-4-2, uh, of course. The 90s. So, in goal, we have got Neil Shaka Hislop. 
great. Oh, not my pick. No, my pick. He was mine, so he's in there. Uh, at right back, we have Liverpool's Rob Jones. My pick. Who was Josh's pick. Left back, the diminutive Alan Wright. This team's good. Centre back, Paul Warhurst. <laughs> yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> the Warhorse. Uh, the War. Alongside Gareth Southgate. So that's, that's a good back five, I think. De- Paul De- Warhurst also is playing up front for us, so that's tough. Yeah, we has can... he been picked twice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, then across midfield on the right wing, we have got Carol Poborski. This is a good side, mate. On the left wing, Steve McManaman. This is a great side. <laughs> I think this team will get in the UEFA Cup. Okay, this is where this is where we get into a bit of trouble. Central midfield. I you think... said that last time, and you gave me Paul Warhurst and Gareth Southgate. I think our central midfield. Can is... I just say? Who's voting for Gareth Southgate? Come on, have a bit of excitement. <laughs> Gareth, I mean, we get it. Everyone likes him. Who missed out there out of centre-backs? Uh, Matthias Sammer. <laughs> yeah, all right, go Southgate. Does he look good in a waistcoat? No. Then in the centre of midfield, which is, I think, where we're in trouble, a lot of creativity, but nothing else. No we, bite. We have got Matt Letizier. This is a great team. Alongside him, Georgie Kinkladze. <laughs> I mean, it's lightweight. I mean, they are going to maraud through Haas Central. <laughs> uh, then up front, we've that got, is a great central midfield. We've got Eric Cantona. This is great. Alongside him, Richie Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great team. Great for Humphreys. Great. So, <laughs> so, so on Humphreys, we we got a lot of people emailing in about uh, Chris's selection there and the fact that he's basically completely misremembered everything so Richie Humphreys in his career in I think in the Premier League had only scored five or six goals yeah. four of which <laughs> were in the August of that one season yeah. so so there was only a four week period where he was any good it wasn't it wasn't every season it was like one four week period but the seed of that memory is essentially yeah. cur- there is an element of truth it's weird to that this. every time the calendar strikes August the 1st you think of Richie Humphreys <laughs> Uh, if so you bought a Richard Humphreys calendar, it would only have August in it. <laughs> uh, so thank you to everyone that voted. That, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Final that 11. team is not getting relegated. That's a very least mid-table. Yeah. Are we allowed to tactically reshuffle that team ourselves? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah. Then I'm going to move Gareth Southgate into a holding midfield role. Oh, now we're talking. Uh, yeah. But then what does that leave my defences? Well, you've got Paul Warhurst in the centre of defence. I, I thought you were going to suggest... I'm putting him up front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Redknapp was our manager as well. Oh, you know, if, that's good. He was so most of them. It's fine. You know what? If I had my time again, I would have suggested Nicholas Alexanderson for every position. <laughs> <laughs> so, enough of this Tom Fulroy. Um Since we last went out, we've had... Over 200 emails in our inbox from correspondents. I star the ones I like. We've starred 50. So <laughs> I'm now going to go into correspondence, but this isn't, to be clear, all the correspondence we've got. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Let's start by saying most of our emails are about the topic that has taken over. The most we've ever had on any topic is on Bull Boy's Shoes. Now, if you remember Bull Boy's Shoes, we got... Did we get an email about Bull Boy's Shoes? Yeah. And how Gareth Southgate had promoted this trainer brand? Yeah. And how none of the three of us could remember it? No. No. Right, our listeners can remember it, and they've all emailed in to tell us. It's amazing. At one point, I had to turn off the notifications on my phone because we were getting so many emails about ball boy shoes. I just, uh, if, if an email contains the word ball boy, I now go straight to junk. <laughs> it turns out it was a thing, and they did an advert. Now, we've been sent a clip of the advert. So, I'm going to read this email from uh, Daniel Armando McGee. I've just had to pick an email at random. This is like because we've got so many emails about this. Okay. Hello, chaps. Upon hearing about the Ball Boy Shoes advert featuring Gareth Southgate, a quick search later revealed this. So we have the YouTube clip. Now, I think this YouTube clip has been edited on YouTube because the YouTube clip contains footage, bearing in mind it's Gareth Southgate promoting it, of Gareth Southgate missing the penalty in Euro 96. But... It cuts away from the penalty before the ball has been saved. So it shows him running up to strike the ball, it moving, and then it cuts away as if that's going to fall anyone. <laughs> I strongly believe that's an editing job. Let's watch it. Yeah. Okay, let's watch it. Ball 
had house sat for the Lasso's while they were on holiday. He told me that despite his Renaissance man persona, Graham was a huge fan of computer games. That all the brand new releases carefully stored away in a display case next to his rather modest TV setup. It's hard to imagine now, but the PES franchise was de rigueur at the time. Upon beginning a friendly game of England versus Brazil, it's to their amazement that not only had Lasso put himself into the current England team, <laughs> but he'd used the game's inbuilt character creation tool to replicate his features with staggering effect. What's more, Graham had put his stats up to the highest available level. <laughs> And was now the best player in the game. <laughs> That's astonishing. Isn't that brilliant? Um, now, I have only just realised on reading this out that we've got, I've got Graham Lasso's number. So I'm going to take a photo of this and send it to him and say, is this true? And, yeah. can we, and find out next week whether it... Whether find it out next week whether Lasso gets back to us. <laughs> He's also got another great story, Alex. I mean, it's not as good as that because nothing is. But... Um, I can also confirm someone else's earlier sighting of Jerry Francis at Euro Disney is true. I had a photo taken with him next to the Honey I Shrunk the Audience attraction whilst visiting the theme park as part of an ill-fated French exchange trip in 1999. Jerry was recognisable not just by his signature mullet, but the fact he was wearing a football training top complete with a GF monogram. <laughs> I'd love any correspondence about footballers, 90s footballers being really indulgent about themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you've ever seen a 90s footballer around with a, a replica shirt with their own name on the back, oh, yeah. outside of a, a match day context, <laughs> track suits that, that you know, on holiday, yeah. anything like that. I'm any stories lovely. of editing into a computer game also, or any stories of being in a footballer's house. Yeah. That is one of my favourite emails in a long time. <laughs> um, okay. So this is from Stephen Deacon. Hi guys, this was nearly one for Do I Remember This Right, but this morning, whilst listening to Michael rave about Steve Nichol, it triggered a memory of, you won't believe this, when Steve Nichol was featured on Michael Burke's 999. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> what? Come on, we have not got to the fourth series about this coming up. I seem to remember the programme making out as Steve being a hero as he'd saved a lady from Frozen Lake. This isn't true. <laughs> From a quick Google this morning, it seems footage is scarce, but the BBC's TV listings archive brings up this description of the show, which was broadcast in May 1996. 999, BBC One London, 10th of May 1996, 9.30. Synopsis, reconstructions of real life rescues. Tonight, the catalogue of errors that led to the disaster on a sandbank 12 miles off the Essex coast. The husband and wife who exhibit completely different symptoms of poisoning at the same time. And the woman, so he's got the facts wrong. And the woman who came to the rescue of footballer Steve Nichol as he fell through the ice of a frozen lake trying to rescue his dog. <laughs> Presented by Michael Burke and Juliet Morris. i tell you what I'd love to do, if Quickly Kevin ever became a TV show, to recreate the recreation of Steve Nichol being in Steve Nichol fell through some ice trying to rescue his dog. Yeah. A woman saved him and it ended up on 999. The maddest of all, it takes a series four for someone to bring this up with us. <laughs> i tell you what, I don't think we're going to get hold of the, any footage of this uh, uh, episode on 999, but what I would love, if we've got any listeners who fancy themselves as illustrators, if you want to draw a little picture of what this scene may have looked like, Steve Nichol trying to rescue Perfect. his dog from the podcast. I'd be delighted to put it on our Instagram. When you started talking then, I started to panic because I thought you were going to ask our listeners to film it and recreate it. <laughs> uh, hopefully our listeners do realise that frozen lakes are a death trap. <laughs> that is just scratching the surface of the correspondence we've got coming up for you this series. If you want to get in touch, here's how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com Now, we have for you as the first episode a Quickly Kevin legend. A man we talked about with Ellis James in Series 1, uh, his time managing Wales. A man who won the FA Cup in 1998 with Wimbledon, the greatest FA Cup final upset ever. And an absolute gentleman. This is Bobby Gould. Oh, and there it is! The crazy 
Crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Wimbledon have destroyed Liverpool's dreams of the double. Before the days of sports science, expected goals and nutrition, football management was the pursuit of team camaraderie, hard work and no nonsense. And no one better exemplified this philosophy quite like our guest this week. As a striker in the 60s and 70s, he scored over 180 goals for clubs including Coventry, Arsenal, Wolves, West Brom and West Ham. It was with the latter that he won the FA Cup as a player in 75, but it's perhaps as a manager that he is most associated with FA Cup glory, masterminding the biggest FA Cup giant killing in history as Wimbledon defeated the mighty Liverpool to win the trophy in 1988. He went on to manage several clubs after this triumph as well as the Welsh national team for four years in the mid-90s. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin the man, the legend, Bobby Gould. Good evening. Good evening. I've got something wrong there. What have I got wrong? Uh, West Ham. Yeah. Number 12. You were the substitute on the day. Yeah. But you got a medal though. Listen, pal. <laughs> terrible. I didn't get on the pitch. Yeah, but did that count? Hit, oh, no way. Not <laughs> in my book. Not in my history book. With 10 minutes to go, we're 2-0 up. Sparrow, yeah. Taylor, because yeah. he got legs like a sparrow. They were so thin, it was frightening. And Ron Greenwood, John Lyle, great double act, great duo. I, I had the worst <coughs> cough yeah. on the bench ever. Did they? Not? They did not. They did not even flinch. <laughs> they didn't even turn around and say, "What's up with you, Goldie?" <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, at the end of the game, Billy Bonds, uh, once um, the game had finished, we'd been presented with the medals, uh, and I, I went round Wembley like there was no tomorrow, because yeah. I knew I was never going back as a player. Yeah, at, at that age, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and yeah. it was such a sad moment for me. Was it like uh, it was yeah. like Jimmy Greaves at the nineteen sixty six World Be- Cup final? Very similar. Si- very similar. You know, I I played in the f- third round down at Southampton. Peter Osgood had broke my leg, went over the top, did me really bad one. I scored. I was out for like six, four or five games, and then I played in the uh, semi final at Aston Villa, uh, and it, I, I was useless. I got to admit that no, I, <laughs> I was useless. <laughs> uh, and then we we won the replay and everything, and uh, it was just something that you you wanted. And I've always said to Patsy Holland since then, I want my shirt back. <laughs> well, Alan Taylor kept you out of the team that day. He, he yeah. scored the winning goal. Would you know what Alan Taylor does now? I know what he does. Go on. He's a funeral a funeral person. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and, so, and, and allegedly he got that gig because someone saw him at being a pallbearer at a funeral and kind of scouted him. Nah. No. Yeah, he was really? an excellent mourner. <laughs> and uh, he got so, and now he does it full time. But Bobby, uh, yeah. you're here with us and I think <laughs> Alan Taylor may I'm have gl- got that. that yeah, I'm place glad I'm team. still here with you as well. <laughs> um, before we started, you were showing us you brought some uh, what could you talk us through what you? It's memorabilia. With you? Yeah, it's memorabilia of of a career since nineteen sixty three, really. Yeah, and uh, and a schoolmaster that invited a careers officer to come into the Caledon Castle School at Coventry. And the careers officer came in and he interviewed us all individually, and he said to me, "Gould, what do you want to do?" I said, "Sir, I want to be a professional footballer." He went, "Dead end job." <laughs> I'd like to see him now. <laughs> Your mates just carried him in a funeral casket. <laughs> um, what's the top one then? The top one is uh, memorabilia of uh, games played. It looked to me like a sales ledger of players you've bought and sold, though. I've got it? that. I've got that. That's later on as oh. well. Yeah, yeah. That, that all goes in there as well. Dennis Wise, FA Cup winner, um, went to Chelsea. Um, Dave Besant went up to Newcastle. Yeah, we're so talking so, we're talking millions. We're still talking millions in 1988. So, were you keeping this as a kind of record of how, how much profit you made with transfers? No, no, no. Uh, because Sam did contribute to uh, buy me a BMW. And he, did, <laughs> he did pay the tax and everything that went with it. But ever since then, you know, if he picks the phone up, I says, uh, "Where's where's my money?" And he, he just laughs and puts the phone down. But so, if you, it, it goes through my whole career and from. 1953 all the way through till 1979 there is a scrapbook of, of Bobby Gould's career yeah so we're going to get into your kind of career as a manager really but what what did you prefer being a player or a manager oh do me a favor <laughs> <laughs> playing playing oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah oh. 
Yeah. There's nothing like it. Even when you've had your bad day and you know you're walk, you're walking home and my my father was was blind, never saw me play as a professional footballer, and we're driving out of Highbury and he's going, "What happened in the 29th minute when you missed that opportunity?" I says, "How do you know that?" He said, <laughs> he said "The fellow up next to me was having a right moment." <laughs> I, I just loved the game and I was so passionate and. You went to the 66 World Cup final, didn't you? Do you want a story? Yeah. Oh, yes, please. Two story. So I'm having an up and a down with Jimmy Hill about moving, you know, going and signing a new contract and everything. Scusso. How old were you at this? Like, um, I'm, uh, we're 66, I was, I was 20. Yeah. I, w- I went into the office and I said, look, J.H., I, I said, I want a better contract and everything. He said, who's going to buy you? I said, I've just got 25 goals in the season, you know. And all, all, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he says, no, nah, nobody will want you. He says, uh, by the way, he says, uh, what are you doing at the weekend? I said, not a lot. I says, my wife's a hairdresser and she works for a mum and she, she'll be in the shop till Saturday and I'll pick her up. He says, uh, he says I'll tell you what, there's two tickets. I says, what for? He says, the World Cup final, England versus Germany. Wow. We got to Wembley. Yeah. And we went in the south end and uh, we were behind the goal when Hursty got his hat trick. Oh, yeah. Did you encroach onto the pitch? Did I? No, no, no. No, no. I, I, no, I, could, I couldn't do that. Steal his line <laughs> <laughs> No, what are you doing here? Yeah, and it was with the atmosphere and, and everything, and uh, it was just marvellous. So moving into your managerial career, you managed Wimbledon in the early 90s, West Brom and Coventry. Let's go to the start of when you got to Wimbledon. There's already a kind of crazy gang culture in place. What was it like to walk into that? Was it a weird kind of... No. Was it, it a lot of people diff- don't realise that um, in 79-81... Mm. I was number two to Jeff Hurst at uh, Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. So you already had a yeah. bit of experience. What happened was Jeff and I, he took over in 1979. We met on a, a FA, uh, um, FA course. We were mm. fast-tracked and I, I was his little lap dog, you know. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll clean your boots, Jeff. Don't worry about all that. You know, so We're on this course anyway. He says, you'll be my number two if I ever got a job. So I'm, I'm playing at Hereford in the reserves in one afternoon and the young reception lady says, Jeff Hurst on the phone. Oh, Jeff Hurst. So I run, pick the phone up. I says, he says, Gordy, he says, where are you? I says, I'm just about to play for Hereford Reserves at Edgar City. He says, no, you're not. He says, you're my number two at Chelsea. Get your backside up Amazing. here. Amazing. So I went up to Chelsea. We had two years and that we couldn't score goals. You, we could not score goals. Mm. And we had a rough time. We, did, we, we weren't going to get promotion. So we went into the second year, went into the board boardroom and he came back out. I said, well, what did you say to them, Jeff? He says, backers or sackers? They sacked us all right. (laughs) (laughs) So so that was it. And I was out of work. I was looking around for a job. And uh, Dave Bassett put in the Daily Express. Uh, He's looking for an experienced centre forward. So I phoned him up. I said, "Uh, you serious about an experienced centre forward? He says, yeah. Who you got? I said, me. He said, what? I says, me. He says, you want to come to Wimbledon? I says, look, it's just down the road. I live in Camberley. I could come, train, see what... He says, come on then, come in for four weeks. Anyway, so I go in, and I've been away in Spain, and i got a suntan. So I go to go in the first team dressing room like that, and they wouldn't let me in. They said, no, you're not allowed in here. Wally Downs was the ringleader. He says, you're not allowed in here. He says, you're Harry's mole. Harry Bassett's mole. Yeah. And that's what they thought. They put him they put me in the dressing room and they put they nicknamed me because I've got some suntan Morocco Mole. <laughs> so that's what I answered to at, at Wimbledon. Yeah. And I, I was there for six weeks and uh, I, I loved it. And was it a different culture to every other to, club? Completely, completely. Did you like it? I feel like it would have suited you almost. It it, it did, it really did. And they knew, everybody knew their responsibility. And they were they were on this up, mm. and they were they were they were flying, and uh, Sam Man was like the uh, owner and, and the did chairman. You, do you have a lot of dealings with Sam Man when you're at um, well, obviously when you're not when he made me eat sheep's testicles. No, <laughs> that, that, that's another that's another question. But, so I'm I'm there and I'm a, I, like 35, 36, and I really I, I enjoyed my t- time there. Mm. If they had a problem, and uh, John Hartson spoke highly about this education that I educated him in, the Welsh International, was that when they had a problem at um, Wimbledon, they formed a circle, and the two comrades that weren't getting on together, they grappled with each other. Right. I, yeah. I think yeah, it's the yeah. best word. Yeah. There was yeah. no punching, there was no pulling, no pulling. No, like a wrestle. They, yeah, a wrestle, a real yeah. wrestle. And I loved it. <laughs> 
Did you really get enjoyed it. Yeah, I was, oh, give up some, give up some. Uh, so, Who did you wrestle? Um, I, I didn't. I was, oh, I was watching. You were the ref. <laughs> I was 36. <laughs> I didn't want to get out with these youngsters, Dennis Wise and all that. Anyway, so I actually went there as a, as a player. So I knew what I was going into. After the first game that we, we had, Sam and Man pulled me in the office and he, he, sh- he showed me the programme notes and I, I looked at them and it, I, I said, yeah. He says, and I put, I will improve my team. He yeah. said, and he came in and he was virtually going to find me. And this is, I'm a manager after my yeah. first game. He says, this is not your team. It is my team. <laughs> really? <laughs> serious, dead serious. Wow. Was Sam Herman a fun chairman to work for? Was he what? Fun. <laughs> what was it like working for him? Brilliant. Really? Yeah. Uh, Best chairman you ever worked with? We, we went nose to nose. We went, we went flame to flame. <laughs> and yeah, he wouldn't give up and I wouldn't give up. Yeah. But the beauty of it was we, we wanted one thing and that, and that was to win. Yeah. I want to just go back a little bit. Here, because when I first became manager of Bristol Rovers, I phoned five managers. Ron Saunders, make, he said, make sure you keep your discipline. John yep. Lyle, make sure your players enjoy it. Uh, Laurie McMenemy put five bottles of scotch in the press box and they, were, and they won't know what they're writing about. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Paisley, make sure you get your system. Whatever system you want to play, you play. And we hadn't got any money at Bristol Rovers at the time, so we had to lock every call. And the young girl on reception had to lock this next person 84 times before she got hold of him. And she says, I've got him, I've got him, I've got him. So I picked it up. I said, um, Brian, I says, it's Bobby Gould here. And uh, I'd just like to know what you'd say to me in, uh, as being a young manager. And the phone went dead. And, you know, we think, oh, is he put it down? Is it burning? Or no, no, no. And he come out here. Well, young man, the first thing I do is call me Mr. Clough. <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing, young man, make sure you get the backroom stuff right. <laughs> and he put the phone down on me. Amazing. It took me seven years, seven years to get my backroom stuff right. And what I, are you looking for? How do you kind of work? Well, yeah, that? I knew. I knew I was a manager. And I was more of a manager than I was a coach. So, mm. therefore, it pointed me in the direction of Don Howe, who was out of work. And what are you looking for in an assistant? Are you looking for someone who's going to tell you the truth about how? Yeah, of course yeah. you are. Yeah. So you're almost looking for someone who's going to be rude to I, you. And I, I tell you what. Is... I tell you what. I can't. I can't tolerate at this moment in time within the infrastructure of the British game, and that is all these the, all the coaches. You, you you stand and you watch them all in the dugout now, and this one's having to go at him. This one's going. There's only one gaffer. So let's talk about the characters of Wimbledon. I mean, you've got um, John Fashionu, Vinnie Jones, Laurie Sanchez, Dave Besson. These are big personalities. So how did you deal with? That, those kind of characters in the dressing room. Be honest with them. Yeah. Tell them the truth. They can't turn around and say you didn't say that. But are they going to be feisty? Are they going to, you know, get out of there? You've got to of... wind them up, haven't you? <laughs> Do you want so that? Fashionu and Jones, they, they, they thought they they run, they run controlled the dressing room. Well, they did to a certain extent. But yeah. Don and I had stepped in at the right time and said, yeah. look, this is it. We first went to Sweden. We stopped in a hotel, which is unusual for them. They usually stopped in the, like... Uh, I don't know what they stopped him when Dave Bassett was there, but I put them in four-star hotels yeah. because they were first division players. They, yeah. they deserved that. And, and, and so Don and I, we, we had a flip chart in, in Sweden. and uh, Don was one side and I was uh, the other, and I went to write something. And all of a sudden, don't put a word on that flip chart. You don't put a word on that. Dave Bassett, yeah. he's my skipper. Yeah. Don't write anything. You sit down. So we re- reverse roles. Me and Don went sat where they were sitting, and they all got up. And they wrote on the board, 144. What yeah. does that mean to a Wimbledon player? 144. And I looked at Donnett. We don't know. That's how many times we're going to get the ball in the attacking third in 90 minutes. 144 times. Yeah. Why, why that number? Just Because this is a... a you, if you go back to Wolverhampton Wanderers, they, there was a, a person uh, in the RAF who, who came out... Uh, with certain, Charles Reap. Charles Reap. You've got him. You're yeah. good for me, you are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Charles Reap comes up with all these figures. Yeah. And, you, and then, so we said, oh, 144 in the attacking third. And then they said, they wrote uh, 44. They had to get 44 crosses in in 90 minutes. Yeah. 22 in the first half, 22 in the second half. That's a lot, isn't it? We're going to Wembley. We're going to play against one of the best teams in Europe, Liverpool. They, they knew what they were going to get. They yeah. knew. Yeah. 
and, that, and 144 times it was going in there. And that's how we were educated. So did you go, when you turned up at Wimbledon, you didn't think, I'm going to change anything. You thought, this works, I'm going to make this... If it's not broken, why fix it? <laughs> but how would you describe your managerial philosophy? Like I think Paisley said to you, pick, know your system. What was it? What, what did you have in your head for you, how you wanted your teams to play? Uh, I wanted to win. Yeah? By want, any means? Yeah, yes. no, well, it upsets me when, you know, when they call us, we're a dirty side. We, we, we weren't. We, mm. we were, you, you ever play against Jackie Charlton and Norman Hunter? I did. <laughs> <laughs> you, got the, you got the bruises, the bruises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and yeah. Peter Osgood went over the top to me. He broke my leg. I heard a story that when you were at uh, Wimbledon, when you went on away games, especially if you sort of travel abroad, you wouldn't book any training facilities. Like at the ho- local hotel, you'd ask someone and say, where's the nearest park? And then you would just take the team over and train, train no, we, in the park. Is uh, that yeah, true? Yeah, well... We, we that's what we did. There's a lovely there's a lovely story. Uh, we were playing at Everton and we went up on the coach and because it, it was just at the time when the traffic was really getting bad. Yeah. Mm. So we couldn't train at home, uh, tra- train on the A3 and then travel up to Goodison Park. So we got we we drove up to um, Liverpool just outside Liverpool. We said, oh, is there a local park? And they said, yeah. So we went down the local park and we did. Dead ball situations because we scored eighty four percent of our goals from dead balls and Dennis yeah. Wareweather, Fairweather, uh, Dennis Wise and Carlton Fairweather. So yeah. we're in this park anyway. So we've got no nets and, and nothing. So we got Dave. They're Ber- passed us by going. That's Wimbledon. No, 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 no there's piece. nobody in there. Friday oh, afternoon, oh. is it? Yeah. So we go in the park and so Dennis Wise and and and. I've got the ball and all of us they are pissing about on the left wing and because Carton runs over it and then Dennis whips it in and I'm going get that fucking thing get it in there you two and anyway so they put it down and Carton runs over it misses it and then Dennis whips it in as he whips it in it's a great ball it is a great ball and big Eric Young he's getting up there and he's climbing and he's climbing and, climbing and he hits this ball and all of a sudden there's a, something comes down and it's dog shit. <laughs> and the ball hits the crossbar, comes back, and it's Dave Bresson's straight back. And it's dog shit. All <laughs> oh, it is is dog shit, Maroon. And they've been in the park, they've been wiped it all in there. And the next thing you see is Fairweather, Fairweather and Wise running, and the, all the others are chasing after them. <laughs> they get on the coach, they get on the coach, tell the driver to go back to the hotel, and he leaves us all behind. <laughs> so the FA Cup final. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what a day as, as a manager. How does it begin for you? How do you psych up the on crazy a, on game? On a Friday night evening meal, when they started throwing rolls about <laughs> in a five star hotel, I says I can't have this done. I can't have this five star hotel and rolls going about. So I got them together and. Dave Bess and I, we argue. He says I gave him 50 and I said I give him 100 quid to go down the pub. This is the night before the FA Cup final. (laughs) Anyway, they went down. I said, the only thing is they are not to have a pint glass in their hand. I'm led to believe that several players had half pints and uh, there was plenty of vodka going in it. (laughs) So they were getting hammered the night before the cup final? No, they weren't getting hammered. They were relaxing. Yeah. yeah. They they were coming back down. You've got them up. They haven't never never been there. They're up there. And and you use all that. What's it like in the dressing room before? What's your team talk? My team talk, well, it, it was done on it was done on a Friday. So the Saturday, you don't. You don't you, you've got to calm them down. You've got to bring them back down again. They can't have them pinging around, pinging around. There was a bit of a hoo ha when we got into the tunnel as well. It was a bit raucy in there, and I mean raucy, shouting and, and words that some people shouldn't have been using, and that was on our team. And, I, and you have to calm it all down and settle yeah. it all down. Are you confident at this point? Because obviously you're such outsiders. Are you thinking we? we no, 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 no. We, we knew we were a good team. Yeah. We're walking onto the pitch, and Kenny's there next to me, and I'm here, and he's walking really quick over the over the dog trap. I says, "Kenny, slow it down." He said, "What do you mean, Gordy?" I said, "Slow the walk down." I said, "You're a great manager with a great club, and you're going to come back." I'm never going to come back, Kenny. <laughs> with this lot. I'm never going to come back this to this club. This lot. I said, "Just slow your walk down." Fans. 
Big Dave Besant, the Wimbledon goalkeeper, the first goalkeeper ever to captain an FA Cup final side. John Fashionew, Vinnie Jones is there. It's a glorious afternoon for a side that just 11 years ago wasn't even in the Football League. And as recently as 1983, Wimbledon were playing in the fourth division. It really is storybook stuff. And now facing a side who regard Wimbledon, or rather Wembley, as their second home. So the game begins. Vinnie Jones and Steve McMahon. Crashing tackle quite early on. No, no, it's not early on. You go and watch it. And then you come back and tell the listeners when it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just before I do that. I said, well, I'm going to tell you. You you go away and watch it. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Come back. Get the, get everybody to understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and yeah. tell me what minute it happens. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. You're on for that. We'll cut, yeah, we'll uh, cut yeah. that in. Yeah, yeah, we'll okay. cut that in. I'm getting, I'm getting a nod from the top man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, just before we, before we get to the game, though, I wondered that there's a story about um, that Don Howe would move the clocks back a couple of minutes uh, before the game. <laughs> was that to sort of leave the Liverpool team waiting and, and just sort of mess with them? A True. Bit? Yeah. I, was, I was innocent. I was, I, I was naive in that one. I've got to tell, I've got to tell yeah. you, it was one that Don put together. He'd been yeah. there. Yeah. I would never put that on Don How Was he a bit crafty like oh, that? I'll do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're with the referee and Kenny. He says, oh, it's two minutes. No, no, no. Look, look, look at my watch. And he got everybody in. Oh, look at their watch. Your watch is wrong. He told, he told everybody their watch is wrong. <laughs> and it, it did. It kept everybody waiting two minutes. <laughs> So Laurie Sanchez puts you one up in the 37th minute. Yeah. You go in at half time, one we'll, in. We'll rewatch to check the minute. We'll, I'll, I'll double check the minute. I'm pretty sure it's 37. <laughs> so you go in at half time, and are you, you, I mean, what's your team talk then? Is that easy or is it hard? Yeah, well, it's not easy when you've got, ele- you've got 11 players with towels all over their heads. I'd have towels. Well, well we had Joe, Joe, our kit manager. It's warm. It was really warm out there. Mm. So what we did. We sent Joe in 10, 15 minutes before the half-time. He got as much ice into the slipper bath as he could. And when they all came in, they all got a towel. And all of a sudden, you've got 11 towels. All... <laughs> I'm talking to 11 towels. <laughs> <laughs> so your half-time team talk didn't get heard? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we just let them cold down. Yeah. You know, psychology. All of a sudden, we brought their temperature down. We've got another 45 minutes in the heat. And then, of course, the second half, the famous penalty, John Aldridge stepping up. How much did Bessant know about which way John Aldridge would go? Once again, you come back to the, the, to the knowledge of the uh, three individuals. There was Dave Bessant, Dennis Wise and Alan Cork. Don Howe finishes training on the Friday afternoon and all of a sudden uh, they uh, decide to practice penalties. Whose penalties was it for Liverpool? John Aldridge. John Aldridge. What did he do? What was he? You tell me what from your memory bank now. Bottom, bottom right, from where he stood. Yeah, from where he stood oh, yeah. now. Yeah. So what did he do on his penalty kicks? Well, he had a stutter. He would delay his run. Yeah. So he goes, he checks. Okay. So they, Dennis Wise and Alan Cork, they would practice well over three quarters of an hour. It's saving penalties, and that's with thorough professionalism, not from the manager, yeah. not from the coach. It was from the individuals, and they knew what John Aldridge had done. There is Aldridge, Beardsley, well he might score here. Penalty. Goodyear on Aldridge, Wimbledon protest at the decision. Goodyear thinks he played the ball. And here we have high drama because Aldridge, who I think might have been replaced a moment later, is the penalty taker. And never has a penalty been missed in the FA Cup final at Wembley. Dave Besant in the week told me that he's been watching where Aldridge puts his kicks. Besson thinks that, or thought the kick might go to his left or the right as we look if Aldridge decides to go the same way as in the semi-final. He did, and he saved it and made history. The first time ever 
that a penalty kick has not been converted in the FA Cup final here. And Besson did guess right. His homework paid off. So, after the game, the ball is usually presented to the, the scorer of the first goal. Yeah. What do I do? I give the ball to Dave Besson. And Laurie Sanchez detests me. <laughs> <laughs> so the final whistle goes. John Watson says the crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Is this the highlight of your, your managerial career? Which oh, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah got to be. Before we move on from Wimbledon, just want to ask, how bad was Plough Lane? As a pitch? As a, as as a, a stadium. As the whole facility. I mean, it looks like... Was it an amazing place to have as your home ground because other teams found it intimidating? Well, it, it was, yeah, because we, we, we knew the, the stature of it. Yeah. And they talk about these days when these sprinklers come up, you know, when the sprinklers yeah. come up and they water the pitches because they want it to skim about and everything. Yeah. Well, we went the opposite. And I inherited this, and I, I inherited yeah. this from Dave Bassett, OK? Yeah. On a Friday, after, Friday morning, the groundsman was cutting the pitch. Yeah. And we played long ball football. So from the 18-yard box to the corner flags, and we didn't cut the grass so short. Amazing. <laughs> 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 so just knock it up there, it'll hold up in the long run. Oh, grass. yes, you are bright. We're, getting, we're starting to get into your managerial philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so the ball was never going to roll out. <laughs> never going to roll out. Um, let's have a few words on your clubs after Wimbledon. So we've got West Brom for a period. Not the, not not the happiest not time. Nightmare. What was wrong? What went wrong at Wimbledon? Uh, West Brom, sorry. I was... Um, I didn't settle it. It was something within the infrastructure of the club. And when the chairman goes into the press conference and says, oh, this is Bobby Gould, uh, the new manager of the football club at West Bromwich Albion, but I didn't vote for him. Oh, my God. Well, that's that... a, that... What a of confidence that is. <laughs> that's a start, isn't it? Um, uh, so I had, a, I had a, a torrid time. We spoke to Frank Skinner and he said uh, one game, I think it was, uh, was it away, away, towards the, away to Shrewsbury towards the end of the season? Yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you the story, OK? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> no, 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 he's not telling my story. This is my story. This is my story, not his. OK? What's so I've, got, I, I've gone there and the, oh, I, I had a nightmare. So... <laughs> All of a sudden, the, the, the lads are doing the warm-up. said, Gaffy, you've got to get outside. You've got to see what they got for you. It was a coffin. And it had, <laughs> it had a, this coffin. It was with all the West Bromwich Albion supporters. And it had R.I.P. Bobby Gould. Oh, rest in, rest <laughs> in peace. Because they, they, they wanted shot of me. They wanted me out of the way. Do you think Alan Taylor organised? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There is a follow-on. There is a okay. follow-on. Okay, there's a follow-on. So we're talking now, where are we talking? 91, 92? 1990, 91, 92. So anyway, so I go to Coventry. I enjoy that. I, I have a good to time we're back at Coventry and, and, and then I go up to watch a player playing for Shrewsbury and I'm in the boardroom because they think I'm looking at the player and everything so all of a sudden the, the chairman of Shrewsbury comes to me and says the groundsman would like a, a, a word with you I says you serious he says yeah, yeah 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 so I went outside the groundsman says oh I've got something for you in my shed he walked me down it was that bloody coffin <laughs> <laughs> he, he kept the coffee six years. <laughs> After 90 minutes of share hell, you're going to get thirsty. This is new isotonic leukocyte sport. It gets to your thirst fast. Isotonic means it's in balance with your body fluids. One of the high points, you signed Stuart Pearce. You plucked him from mm. obscurity. I was in a situation of going to Coventry. Anyway, so I'm struggling for a left-back. I says, Bostick, I says, what What you got in your little book? He says, I was a lad at Wealdstone. Oh, yeah. He says, yeah. He's Funny enough, he says, they're playing at Yeovil tonight. Well, I, this time I was living in um, Portishead in Bristol and I was commuting a little bit and... Um, from Coventry so I phoned up the wife I said do you like to go out for a meal she says oh that's lovely I have thoughtful I said right so I went down picked her up and took her to Yeovil she says what kind of meal is this I said well you know I want to see this player she says who do you want to see I said well he's, he's, a, he's a left back 
within five minutes, it, it was the old, old Yeovil pitch, which was on yeah. a, a, a slant like that. And all of a sudden, the uh, wheelstone number three hit the number seven with a tackle I had never, I had never seen for a long, long time. Yeah. And the number seven nearly landed in my lap. And I said to the good lady, I said, we're going home. You can't go home. She said, it's disrespectful. I see what I see. What I, see. I see what I want to see. So anyway, so I, I, I drove home, got up at five o'clock the next morning, drove to Coventry, got onto the chair. I says, I want two, 22 and a half grand. She says, what for? Got, oh, it's a board meeting. I says, no board meeting, no board meeting, nothing. I says, I want 22 and a half grand. He says, what are you doing? I says, I'm buying myself a left back. He says, who's that? Stuart Pierce. Wow, from five minutes. Uh, oh, it's Omdinger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> One tackle. Closed, shop closed. <laughs> and I brought, I brought him up. I, brought, I, 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 went and, I went and interviewed him with his mum, and he was a, he was a sparky electrician. Mm. Uh, and Terry Venables had got ready from uh, QPR. Yeah. And uh, I, I brought him up, and he was stunning. Yeah. There was a f- gentleman called George Curtis who was Jimmy Hill's number one, and it, George was the, he, he'd taken over the uh, running of the club, you know, and uh, he'd come up. He says, he's in the first team on Saturday. I says, he's not in the first team on Saturday. George, you do not pick the team. I pick the team. You just disappear and know that you've got a great left back. I kept him for four weeks. I kept Percy. I hid him for four weeks. Fourth In that fourth week, who we were playing at Highville Road? Queen's Park Rangers. Who was manager? Teddy Venables. Who was man of the match? Stuart <laughs> He was phenomenal. And did you sell him to Brian Clough? Pardon? Did you sell him to Forrest? I had a phone call. Well, yeah, so it all went on. I, I tell you, his best position, mm. it, it wasn't fullback. We went over to Scandinavia, and I played with a sweeper. So I played um, a free, uh, somebody good on the ball. Yeah. I played two good markers. I played two. I played two wide men, and he was he he was the third man of the midfield. All right, yeah. he was awesome. Really, yeah. awesome. He was back and forward, and it's a new role, and he'd rattle them in midfield, and they don't expect that, you see. But yeah. he was he was he was brilliant. He was really really very very special. Let's but, move on to your um, your time with Wales. Rundiski um, <laughs> Wow, what does that mean? I'm learning Welsh, but bloody slowly. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you have to trot that one out? <laughs> It's in there. It's in there. Do you want to your see ledger, it? really? It really is. What other, phrase, what other Welsh phrases did you keep in your locker? Um, do you want a circle? Go on then. I had a circle with John Hartson. Oh, did you? Yeah. So uh, when you were Wales manager, yeah, yeah. what had happened that led to you having a circle with John Hartson? Uh, well, we were playing, we were, we were training at Newport. We were playing um, at the uh, sta- stadium in Cardiff, Cardiff Arms Park. I, I, I still contest it. I, I didn't say oh, I'm going to play you. I, says, uh, I said I might think of playing you. He thought I, he'd got the number nine shirt. Yeah. So we go out to train, and we're on, this is the day before, and Neville Southall's with me. I said to, I said to Southall, I says, there's me watch. There's, I took everything off me. He says, you're having a circle, aren't you? He says, who with? Says John Artson. <laughs> so I'll get them all together, far away from the press as possible. I said to him, You want me, don't you? I says, You want me big time. I says, You wanna you really want to get into me? I says, Well, here's your chance. I says, We're gonna have a circle. I says, No no punching, no I says, we're just grappling. So we get stripped off and then they're what, what do you mean by stripped off? Well, we got all that, you know, anything on it yeah. that might oh, do your damage. Yeah. Shirt off? Are you going skins? You, well, no, we've just got the shirts and the oh, shorts on. So yeah. we're we're into it big time. Boom, boom, boom. And we're going. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's, got, he's on top of me. And I'm looking up. And I can see Mark Hughes. <laughs> and I thought, he wouldn't have saw Alex Ferguson doing this at Man United. <laughs> 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 you know, so there, there we are. We, we we're grappling and everything else. So it's all over, and we get we get up, and and the lads have enjoyed it. Yeah, they're, they're really it's like a breath of fresh air, you know. And I didn't mind, you know, but I put myself in for it, and, and I, I got you know what I deserved really. But the worst is, we played the game. I think we lost or, or we lost to Belgium. We went back to the hotel in the evening after the game, and my wife usually stops with me afterwards. 
after the game in the hotel. She, and so she comes into my bedroom and all I'm getting undressed and all she's, ah, you've been with a woman. I've got scratch marks all down my back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, if you think John Arson's a woman, you've got another thought coming. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, like, the Football Association of Wales like when you come in there? Was it a bit am- amateurish compared to what you'd been used to? The biggest mistake, mm. the biggest mistake, and I, I refer this to anybody that's thinking of being an international footballer and you have never played at that level. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. I didn't know. The intensity of coming from one... Uh, football club into another football club, the pressure that they've been on—they were like China cups. They could, they could crack very easily. Yeah. And like with me, with all my enthusiasm and and, and everything, I, it was it wasn't right. If yeah. I'd have played, if I'd have been in international, I think my, my, you, you like Southgate at the moment. You know, like yeah. what he achieved with the World Cup. That was all on the back of the experiences of knowledge mm-hmm. of being yeah. locked down, travelling, like and everything else. Yeah. I failed. How did you end up getting the job in the first place? How are you? Cause you got... I was virtually sent in to take all the old players out, right, and re-establish them with a the, with a new one. It's a tough job because it's good. It players was. It was. It was. It was. With all due respect, and I, I, I don't. I'll never want to be respectful, disrespectful to it. any of the Welsh lads. There's only one. I left. I left Vincent Jones, and I didn't handle him properly, and we haven't spoken from that moment. Really, and and and. Uh, that was my fault. Put yeah. my hands up. Guilty, guilty. Yeah. And it's something I will, uh, I'll always regret. And, and Vinny will never talk to me. And I, under, I understand that I didn't treat mm. him fairly. So he was your captain though. At one yes, point, that wasn't was a, that was a scenario. Barry Horn didn't turn up for a game in Holland. We got beat seven one. Yeah. And it was it was a, a situation where I I failed badly. Mm. Well, on a on a happier note, I noticed that your your kind of your books here very nicely designed. You're very well dressed today, and there's a long-standing rumor that maybe you had a hand in designing some kits. Any truth to true. that? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Did you always fancy having a little design of a kit? I I, I, I went to, um, over to Italy, and I designed uh, a yellow one. I designed a white one, and I designed a green one and a goalkeeper one. Yeah. But they never. They never, a couple of them got into the club shop somewhere along the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's obviously quite a lot of attention to detail, like in your managerial process. She talks about the kits, but also you were one of the first managers to go scout, like for an international team, the training locations abroad, infamously including a prison once. Is that? Is there any truth to that? <laughs> no, the truth was that that prison had the best training pitch that, yeah. that was I'd ever seen. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah, and we like we at Newport. I had the. Uh, John John Hartson thing and everything yeah. else. And I was having a rough time with the press. And I thought, I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> they had to get passes. What they had to do to get in that prison. What they had to do to get in that prison and get back out again was just incredulous. Incredulous. You mentioned your relationship with the press while in charge of Wales. Is it, we heard a story that maybe you might have rang uh, the CFAX editor after a particularly uh, unflattering article. Is there any truth to that? Might do, I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but would you, was that the kind, would you, would you have a go at journalists? Like of course Fergie, I would. Fergie was good at that. Of course I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if I felt I, it wasn't honest, then I would, you know, yeah. if, if, if I'm not honest on here, you, you, you know, you, they don't believe, people won't believe you. These, yeah. these things have happened, they're real. But if they don't happen, don't tell lies. Yeah. yeah. Did your wife ever say to you, maybe at the height of like Wales, like this is too much, just quit, just I did. walk away? Yeah. I, I did it. I, was it, it her I, advice? I, I, I did it in a in a drugs room in Bologna. Is that where you quit? <laughs> yeah. I said that's it. I've had enough. I said, <laughs> I said and I recommended that um, Sparky and Neville South will take over. And when you resigned after game, had you gone into the game thinking of this? Never. Never, no, no, never. Well, do you see Roy Hodgson had the, the res- resignation letter tucked in his blazer oh, ready I'd to believe, go? I, I would believe that. But you'd never, you'd never type it out beforehand. No, no, I, I, I said it after the game. When George. you resign in Italy, are you yeah. then getting on the flight back with? Oh the... yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. You don't have to make your own arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And what's it like getting on the flight back when everyone knows you've quit? 
Um, has it like has all the pressure lifted in a while? Of course, while? it has. Well, there's uh, there's always one question we end on. Uh, we ask this of every every guest. If you could go back, if I give you a button, you could press it, go back in time to Wembley Stadium, 14th of May, 1988, and do it all over again. Would you? Well, you're gonna you're gonna give it me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. your choice. Do you want to go back in time and live it all over again? <sighs> all right, you're happy with it. I I, I was I, I'm ha- I'm happy. Yeah. Bobby Gold, thank you very much. Great pleasure. Thank you very much thank indeed. You. There we go, Bobby Gould. Um I really, really liked Bobby Gould. He a genuine person and a really passionate person about football. Yeah. And actually a really intelligent man when you meet him. Yeah. And Beyond it, the kind of, there is this persona, you know, that knocks on the door of your Barry Fries as this kind of big character, but he's actually, there's much more to him than that. And we all know the kind of famous incidents for which he's responsible, like the kits and the training in the prison, but actually to hear his defence of those, yeah. <laughs> those incidents, I'm completely sold. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're all completely justified and I don't really know how that happened. The, the, the flip side of the coin was was fascinating you know Ellis's view as a fan is totally legitimate but to hear someone I justify I don't think it is anymore <laughs> I think he's going to have to be banned from this podcast <laughs> sullying the good name of Gould and also like just an incredibly warm person I thought he was quite combative like the, thing, the things you hear about him but re- really incredibly lovely and generous with his time and just a very nice person apart from when you said Vinnie Jones did a a hard tackle early in there. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to try and grapple you at that point. <laughs> I would have got him in a headlock and ruffled his hair. <laughs> Did we ever find out what? Uh, no, I can't yeah. imagine it's later than ten minutes into the game. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, if you know, hello at quicklykevin.com. Yeah, email us, Bobby, or Bobby at bobbygool.com. <laughs> Don't forget, we've got a couple of live shows next week. The 7th and 8th of November are only live shows this year at the Hackney Empire in London. If you want to come, there's some tickets available on the Wednesday night. Very few available on the Thursday night in the gods, but Thursday night is going to be Barry Fry. To get your hands on some tickets, Google quickly Kevin Hackney Empire. They're available from the Hackney Empire website. And as we're back in Series 4, we are returning the feature known as Review Haiku. It's Review Haiku. 90s football review haiku review haiku if you want to be in possession of a Graham Says Hit Les mug, then you go onto iTunes, leave a review haiku that features a 90s footballer. We'll pick our favourites next week and you could win a mug if Michael likes your haiku. Yeah, five star reviews please. Five stars. Doesn't, not, 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 doesn't have to be five stars, we can't force that, but we will favour them when choosing. <laughs> so go on iTunes, leave a review haiku, we'll read out our favourites next week. Right, back to the weekly quiz. Every week, me and Chris will quiz against each other. The winner gets to choose the song we end on. Michael, what is this week's quiz? Okay, this week it's a return of the familiar favourite starting 11, for those who don't know how it works. I w- Cup final? Oh, it's not in the 90s, sorry. We'll get a lot oh. of tweets and complaints if I do that. <laughs> uh, it's a wasted it is- evening of me learning it. <laughs> <laughs> it is Bobby Gould related, and uh, we've had some complaints about not enough Coventry featuring on this show, which is a weird complaint. We get a lot, actually, don't we? Yeah, they're really diehard, those Coventry fans. So the game I've chosen is uh, one during Bobby Gould's tenure. It's Coventry City versus Aston Villa, 26th of December, 1992. Boxing Day. Boxing Day, a classic Boxing Day match. Uh, Josh, you will go first. Is that an iconic match at all? Nope, just a random match. Oh, my God. 1992, Aston Villa. Yeah. It's tough. Oh, man. That is just so tough. Uh, versus Coventry. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go... <laughs> I don't know anyone. I'm going to go with Steve Grizovich. Oh. Incorrect. Oh, he's got to get one to win. He's got to get one to win. Um, this is impossibly difficult. But um, I'm trying. I'm trying to go with a, a, a banker. Steve Grizovic didn't play. Daly and Atkinson. Yeah, I thought that. Incorrect. Oh, come on! <laughs> this is. I've a, got another guess. This though. is the opposite version of the game. I get. <laughs> um, okay, Gordon Cowans. No. Oh, come on! He played for Villa at the time, didn't he? Uh, Dean Saunders. Would have been playing for Liverpool, surely to God. Correct. Oh! Boom! <laughs> How long was he at Liverpool? Uh, Not very long. 
I don't know, but on the 26th of December 1992, he was still at uh, Aston Villa. What about so. Mick Shannon? That would have been another guess. Mick Shannon? Uh, Southampton player from the 70s? <laughs> no, who do I mean? I don't know. Who do I mean? The <laughs> guy with the tash? Mickey Quinn. Mickey Quinn. Mickey Quinn was at Coventry at the time, yeah. yes. Uh, would that have been a correct answer? That would have been a correct answer. Can you read out the correct answers to see whether there's many I'd have got? Okay, so the Aston Villa lineup uh, in goal, Nigel Spink. S- Nigel Spink. Yeah. Uh, and then L Barrett. Yeah. Steve Staunton. That's who I was trying to think of. Sean Teal, Paul McGrath, uh, Brian Small, Ray Houghton, Gary Parker, Kevin Richardson, Cyril Regis, Dean Saunders. Quite a good team, actually. Uh, and then Coventry, a lot harder. Uh, Jonathan Gould, Peter Atherton, Brian Burroughs. Jonathan Gould's Bobby Gould's son. Oh, of course, yeah. Phil Babb, Lee Hurst. Phil Lo- Babb! Lloyd McGrath, Kevin Not Gallagher. Not Lee Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> On the right wing. Yeah, the Brexit comedian. <laughs> Uh, Mickey Quinn, Robert Rosario, and John Williams, the Flying Postman. Uh, Chris, you get to choose which song plays at the end of the show. What is your choice? I'd love to hear "Ride on Time" by Black Box. Oh yes, please. Well, it's great to be back. I feel like we're back in the rhythm already, and we will be returning next Monday and every Monday for the next eight weeks. Thank you and goodbye. Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.